Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Daphne. And I'm Ilaria. And today you are in luck. We have for you a tremendous mom mail episode. <laughs> we love hearing from you guys. We are at, what am I at? We are. We have mom brain. We, we have are, mom brain. We are really out of it. And and always just, you know, we, we may or may not make sense um, during this. So just hopefully that works for you. But you know what? I do think the mom mail episodes are really fun because they're directed by you guys. So if you feel like sometimes our regular episodes you know, Alari and I, as friends do, just sort of start talking and the train goes wherever it goes. These episodes are directed by you guys. We answer the questions that you've sent in to our email address, which is mombrainpod at gmail.com, questions that come in on our Instagram at mombrain. Um, and I love that because it's a little bit more like broken down and and bite size and um, and we're actually getting to answer the questions that are burning on your mom brains. So thank you so much for sending us your questions and please continue to do so because these episodes are super fun. I feel like I feel like I learn a lot in these episodes too. All right, let's get into it. Let's jump in. We got a lot to cover. Yeah, Mario. This is the best. First one is from Natalie, and she has questions about postpartum tips. So, dear Ilaria and Daphne, I have been absolutely loving your podcast after discovering it last month, especially all of your favorite things and favorite things of your fabulous guests. I'm expecting my second baby in August and was hoping to hear about what tips either of you have for feeling more like your pre-pregnant selves again in those first few months postpartum. With many pregnancies between you both... Are there any postpartum belly wraps, leggings, supplements, dietary changes, etc. that either of you go back to as you are trying to get your bodies back after baby? Thanks so much. Okay, this is like my very favorite, 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 favorite topic ever because I think you guys, if you follow me on Instagram, you have figured it out that I am like obsessed with that like getting ready for baby, getting pregnant, trying to stay shape while I'm pregnant and then trying to get Um, back into shape afterwards. So it was actually interesting. I was looking for specific photos of when Carmen was a little baby and I gained more weight when I was pregnant with Carmen than I did with my three boys. Now, I don't know if that's because she was my first. I don't know if that was just specifically her or I don't know if there's anything to do with the whole girl versus boy um, old wives tale. Um, But I definitely followed that with Carmen. I gained like eight or nine pounds more with her than I did with Rafa, Leo, and Romeo. Um, And so postpartum, I definitely lost the weight slower as well. And I feel like as I had more kids, I was capable of understanding how to do my pregnancies and try to feel as strong as possible and then how to deliver them and not kill myself, but really, you know, just continue walking afterwards and doing it in a very smart way where I was not going to injure myself. And, you know, I'm a big breastfeeder, so you need to make sure that you're eating really rich foods, um, but doing it smartly in moderation. And I can't wait to hear about Daphne with that because she's just like the smartest person in the world when it comes to food, in my opinion. Um, So basically, I when I get 
I am a normally active person. And I think the rule of thumb is whatever you were doing before within reason is okay to do when you're pregnant. Ask your doctor, but that's what my doctor says. So I'm somebody who I jog regularly. I do yoga. I do bar. I do all these things. So once I get pregnant, I pretty much continue. Maybe I'll tone it down a little bit. And then as my pregnancy goes, you know, sort of to the halfway point, I tone it down even more. And then it's kind of this slope of slowing it down, slowing it down, slowing it down to the point where I'm pretty much like walking and doing very light yoga right before I deliver, but staying moving. And of course, this depends on your pregnancies. I've been lucky to have pregnancies where I can be active throughout. And then I deliver the baby. I take, you know, a minute off. And again, if I am as, if I've been as lucky, if I have another baby and I've been as lucky as I have been with my other four, um, I will, you know, slowly start. I walk again, I stretch very lightly, and then little by little, I start to ramp it up again where I will go on very, very slow jogs. I then again, all of this has to do with your specific pregnancy. But one thing that I really want women to understand is you don't have to be afraid of your body. You don't have to disconnect from your body. And giving yourself a little bit of movement every single day, and this doesn't mean running a marathon, but giving yourself a little bit of movement every day as long as it's okay with your doctor is actually extremely healthy. Um, Don't be afraid to rest because rest is good as well, but keeping your body active and moving will actually make you get stronger faster. Um, So yes, there are belly bands and leggings and and Daphne, I know that you've told me that there was some like belly band that you liked that felt really supportive at one Mm -hmm. point. I haven't had a lot of luck with a lot of these things, um, but just you know, continuing trying to be as consistent as possible about getting out and walking and stretching my legs and stuff like that. I've been extremely, extremely lucky. Can I ask you a question really fast? Actually, mm-hmm. the it, sort of tangential is only because you brought up you you were looking for photos when after you'd had Carmen. What storage app do you use, or like how do you find those photos? How do you file okay. them? Because you're so good at like bringing up the 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 flashback photos that I can't find in my own phone. So I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I have like the maxed out hard drive, whatever it is. And then I have like some very smart friends who are good at computers and they will come over and they have these backup box things. I think it might be called a G drive. Uh And I have multiple ones. This is amazing, by the way. I'm really bad. I think it might be called a G drive. I'm really bad. Al's rolling his eyes. Alfred's rolling his eyes. Okay. Okay. I'm so bad with technology. Like it's a miracle that I'm on Instagram. It really is. I don't email. I, re- I mean, as you guys know, I don't email. You know, I mean, I just, I'm so slow with all this kind of thing. So anyway, there's like, I have these boxes that are metal and have a cord attached to them. And you, you store it, you back it up. <laughs> you back it up onto those and then you put them in many different locations because you if there were a fire I would lose everything right right I know and I really like photos of my kids now the thing that's not so good that I do is I have a lot of photos stored on my phone I also save absolutely every single phone that I have ever had as a backup um, and I never delete anything 
Um, so like that, I have 38,950 photos on my phone. Right. But then how do you go back and find the one of Carmen when she was one month old? Because it's a, you go to like, I mean, you go to photos and then you press that arrow on the top left and then eventually it goes back to 2009 (laughs) on my phone. That that makes me feel better that there isn't some like magic box that I'm not knowing about. No, I mean, I'm sure there is. I just wouldn't know how to use it. If it's like on my phone and I can scroll, I'm good at scrolling. Scrolling and pressing. That's okay. why Instagram works for me. Because I, if you, go, uh, by the way, guys, this is where we turn the the, tra- the turn the tables on you. If you have an app or some kind of storage system that you like to use, so that you can find the photos that you're looking for more easily, or you, at least you can like timestamp things or like put, you know, here's here's my first child from the ages of like zero through twelve months or whatever. I would be really game to know that because if it makes you feel any better, Laria, I have. At this point, 63,891 photos on my phone. Oh, oh on your phone? Oh, that no, oh you know, gosh. it does make me feel better. You want to know why? And 15,000 videos. Holy crap. What am okay, I doing? No, it makes me feel better. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Because I always get like anxious of like, is this going to be the last photo that I can ever take? And then it'll stop taking photos. <laughs> Right, <laughs> I live in fear. Like, what is that number? What is that number oh that I won't gosh. know until I get there? These are the first th- world these problems. Are the these these are, are the thoughts. No, but I love because and Alec is so like he doesn't have that many photos on his phone. Same with he'll John. Take, like a bunch of photos of the kids, and then, and then he'll, go back he'll go and delete the ones he doesn't want. Pick, exactly. How do you and pick I'm like, ones you don't want? I can't. He's like they're all the same. I'm like they're not. They're slightly looking in different directions. <laughs> and one day I'm gonna look back and be like, oh my god, remember. Remember when he looked slightly up to the left? Yes. That was a cute moment. Yes. And some are, yes, I'm totally on board. I have the heart. It's actually, it was one of the many resolutions that I thought I was going to keep this year that I didn't, which was to go back after I take these photos and actually delete, like on a daily basis, delete the ones that I know I don't need. But it hasn't happened. Okay. Um, Thank you for that. (laughs) That's really good. Because I, um, just to answer your question, Natalie, I do... Um, I do think that one of the most important things Alaria just touched on is don't delay. Like I, I, I know the, I know that my, my doctor, and I think it's pretty standard of care at this point, you know, the first six weeks are really just about you rehabbing and taking it really easy and being, being easy on your body and adjusting hormonally, physically, emotionally to, to everything that comes with new motherhood. Um, and don't feel rushed in that time period. I certainly, um, I, you know, on the one hand, I think after Phil, after I had Philomena, I was like, you know, drinking milkshakes and eating all kinds of crap that I just because I felt like I could justify it because I was so exhausted and so um, emotional. But I it definitely hurt me in the long run because it was just that much harder for me to get back in shape after after giving birth. Um, and now I sort of especially those first six weeks. I really I try to focus on warm foods. So I I this time around especially I'm really into this whole like Ayurvedic practice after giving birth. I you know there's there's a tradition you know tradition where um, the fourth trimester, which is theoretically sort of the 40 days after you give birth, so just about six weeks after you give birth, both mother and baby get massaged every day. They're like, oh my God, you have no idea. Like the level of nurturing and care for mothers and babies around the world that is just not happening here is so interesting to me. But, um, but yeah, in India, baby and mom get massaged every day for 40 days. There's like a whole focus on nourishment from the inside. Obviously you are nourishing your baby 
even if you're not breastfeeding, you are nourishing your baby with with emotion and with love and with constant attention and all of the things that you lavish on this new little human who's relying on you. Um, and the more you can do to sort of, you know, make it easy on your body on the inside to provide for yourself and for the baby, the better. So it's a lot of like warm cooked foods, you know, lentils and broths and certainly bone broth I'll be using a lot of this time. Um, and and honestly, what I discovered with my after my last pregnancy was that where I'd been told like grains were really good for breast milk and um and and sugar honestly was something that someone along the way had told me was like good for energy and good for breastfeeding for some reason. Those things just made me fat and tired. Um, what I focused on after Nika was actually protein and greens heavy. I did a lot of a lot of uh, cooked salmon. I did some chicken. I did. Um, I did a lot of lentils still. I did uh, lots of kale. I would make kale chips instead of regular chips. I would, um, I would have you know regular spinach salads and the great for replenishing um, uh, iron stores. And in any case, I found that what actually changed my breast milk production was having enough protein and having enough healthy fat. So I would eat a lot of nuts, and I would have nut butters on whole grain toast, and I would have, um, you know, I would I would focus on again like healthy fats coming from salmon, for instance, um, avocado. I ate constantly sweet potato, um, different kinds of you know whole grains like brown rice and some millet and some quinoa. Um, those things actually helped not only boost my supply, which was great, but also helped me feel like I was getting to know my body again. I was coming back into my shape and I was feeling more at ease because I know exactly what you're talking about where it's so hard after you give birth to start to feel like your, your prenatal self again. Um, I, I feel like I bounce around. I'm a total S-L-U-T when it comes to finding a belly band that really works. And this time around, I'm trying one from a girlfriend of mine actually, um, that she'd recommended that is like it's it I mean all of these things are sort of corsets you find online um but this one is the the pause ween p-a-z-w-e-a-n post belly band postpartum recovery belt and girdle belly binder again just gonna throw it out there for uh you know people who are thinking about how other cultures have managed this and helped their women rehabilitate and feel good in their own skin again like Mayan belly wrapping is this whole technique where they take this super long um, sh- a sheath of linen and they literally someone comes and just ties it perfectly, you know, custom to your stomach essentially. And it sounds really luxurious and special. It's like that should not be luxury. That should literally be a standard of care for women to start to feel like their organs are going back into the right place. And your core, which is so, you know, you've, you spent nine months having no core strength. How could you possibly not be in back pain? How could you possibly not be feeling like out of sorts where your core is all loose and everywhere? Like th- it's this it's this wonderfully restorative thing. So again, it depends where you live in the country. It depends if these things are available to you. But I think that something that I have relied on a lot in the past is snacking. I feel like my meals always had to happen really fast and um, and sort of one-handed. And, and I was snacking on the wrong things the first couple of times I, I'd given birth. And this time, um, like last time, I'm focusing more on, again, protein. So it's, it is going to be protein shakes. It is going to be things that, um, you know, when I can cook a meal or I have someone to cook a meal for me, uh, you know, focusing on those, those great sources of, of complete proteins, like, uh, like, you know, the roasted salmon that we said, um, 
But in terms of snacking, I'm a big fan of popcorn with nutritional yeast. Nutritional yeast is great for breast milk, but it's also, um, you know, it's a it's a vegan protein. It's super delicious. It tastes nice and cheesy, and I love it. And popsicles. I feel like I'm always overheating when I'm breastfeeding also, so I just, like, need things to cool me down. And it's a little sweet trick without having you eat – cookies, which I think was a big problem for me also. I was like a big cookie fiend the last two times. And Especially those breast, those breast oh, milk cookies. Those are really good. They trick I mean, me. I think, I think <laughs> one of the most important things to realize is every single pregnancy is different. And so many people will give this sort of I, this thing of saying, hey, at six weeks, it's okay. But then it's like, well, what's okay? Am I supposed to then be able to just go and like jog 10 miles and and go right. and do a million no, push-ups and stuff like that? It takes time. And that's the other thing that I would, because of my experience, and I don't want to advocate for, you know, getting up and just going like within days of having a baby, but I am a little bit of that person to squat in a bush and then continue on. Um, but I, I, I don't want you, as I said before, to be afraid of your body. And I think you should have a serious conversation with your doctor about the pros and cons to moving. And I feel like moving is just like in this like thing of like, oh, well, if you're moving, that means that you're doing something sweating strenuously. Strenuous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what I'm doing in the days Going right after having walk. my baby, I go for a walk with my baby. I will do tons of Kegels right away. You do Kegels right away and you will not regret it. I promise you. Um, I do a lot of like kind of downward facing dog kind of moves where I'm stretching out the backs of my legs. I find that my my legs sometimes swell right after having a baby. I'm yeah. doing a lot of rolls of my ankles. Um, you know, so doing things where you're getting up and moving. I don't – if I sat down for six weeks – unless I had a really, really, really good reason to, like something serious was going on in my body, I would not be a happy person. Like I, I would not be okay. By the way, I think there's something to be said for the, everyone always says physicality, like having your blood move, have your lymph mm-hmm. move, breathing fresh air, that always improves your mood. That always makes you feel better. That always aids your detoxing, your body's natural detox process, which is another thing. You don't want to sit totally still for six weeks because your body, everything just pools, everything sits, everything collects. And you actually want your body to be reawakened again. Because look, the reality is as nice as it sounds to be able to take six weeks off of anything, uh, you know, chances are, and throughout history, women have, like you said, they squat in the bush and they get back up and they keep working. And it's like, and it's, it's, I, I think you have to, it's, it is a little bit mind over matter in those first couple of weeks of maybe you don't look strong, maybe you don't feel strong, but you have to start signaling to your body in easy, comfortable, gentle ways that you will be strong again. And I think that's a really important part of getting back to feeling like your prenatal self. Um, I hope that helps, Natalie. And thank you so much for your awesome question. Okay, let's do another one. <laughs> um, okay, how about this one? This this question is from Taylor. It's a question on baby proofing. Um, Hi, Daphne and Ilaria. Thank you so much for hosting this podcast and being the source of insightful, realistic, and humorous conversation. Yay. Every day I feel like I'm chatting with friends when I listen to the two of you. I'm a mom to a 10-month-old boy and another on the way. Both surprises as I became pregnant with my first right after getting married and pregnant with my second as soon as I stopped breastfeeding my first. My question for you is around baby proofing. I love home design and take great pride in our home. And while I'm not a fan of a, quote, museum house or or rooms that aren't lived in, I also don't want it to look and feel like we live in a daycare for the next five years. Do you have any go-to products or general advice on how to effectively baby-proof and toddler-proof a home while still making it an enjoyable space for adults? Thank you, Taylor. 
Um, I think this is a great question. It was something that I definitely grappled with, uh, you know, wanting to live in a space that felt designed and beautiful and like it suited my and my husband's personalities and made us feel comfortable and at home in our own space, but also was safe for kids. And I'm not, it was, it's so weird that this question is coming up now because literally in the elevator coming up to record this podcast today, I, I was talking to a woman who just had a nine month old, who has a nine month old son. And I'd asked her, I was like, did you baby proof your house? And she was like, no, I don't want like a, you know, a boy in the bubble situation where, you know, the world is so dangerous and everything needs to be, you know, everything needs to be insured against. And then they go out in the real world and everything's hard and hurts them more than it did at the house. And, you know, and then they're not prepared. And I thought that was interesting because I do look, I never had a service come through and, you know, put put corners on everything or something or, or something like that. But what I did do was um, look, I always look for I mean, look, this is the reality of your life for that at least the next five years, probably longer, it sounds like. And I do look for um, for items in our home that are round edges as opposed to hard ones that are soft materials as opposed to hard. So like wood instead of marble, round edges instead of corners. Um, our couches are always either leather or like like wipe away, you know, uh, uh, cloth. So like there's no staining possible. Um you know, soft carpeting when it's when it's uh, you know appropriate, or wood as opposed again as opposed to stone because you fall on stone and it really hurts. You fall on wood and it it gives a little bit. Um, but I think at the same time, I, you you know, you want your kids to start to engage with their environment and to realize like this this material feels one way and this material feels another way. And how do I behave differently on it? Um, that's part of their sensory development. That's part of their growth, and that's part of giving them ways to challenge themselves. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really I, I definitely invested in those like special turn caps for cabinet doors so that like they can't get into, for instance, the cabinet that has the cleaning supplies in it or the cabinet that has, you know, whatever in it. Knives. That, yeah, knives. Knives. No, knives are high enough that they couldn't get on there. <laughs> but yeah, but like little things like that that aren't super intrusive to your normal home. I hear what that woman in the elevator is saying because I've heard a lot of people say that. I feel like that was kind of the way that I was raised. There wasn't a lot of baby-proofing in in my home. Yeah. Um, But I have to say that I'm also looking for decreasing my stress. And if I'm worried about outlets and sharp corners and glass tables and all sorts of things – then I am going to be more on edge. And totally. I don't want to be that person who's like, don't touch that. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do that. You know, I want my kids to be able to play. So first how we do the organization thing is I have, we're lucky enough to have a room that can be the playroom. So we keep their toys either in the playroom or in their bedrooms. Now, any at any point, Kids can take toys out and bring them anywhere that they want. We do not dictate where they play with them, but that's where they live. That's where they belong. And so the kids and I and Alec, who is the master organizer of things, he literally, he literally, if you come over, he will be organizing something and cleaning something. We do it in very, very different ways. Of course, I think my way is better and he thinks his way is better. Um, but, and naturally you guys will all agree with me. Um, but he is constantly, both of us are just, we pick up as we go. You know, I was raised to, to think like, if I'm going to go in another room, I'm not going to go in empty handed. So I'm going to constantly be going because I don't want to have that huge exhaustion 
exhausting cleanup at the end of the day. Um, and teach your kids to do it as well. Now, we have our, our family rooms where the kids spend most time, where we spend most of our time, are made with a lot of indoor-outdoor fabrics. Um, and that is great for, for not stressing about, you know, my kids, they're going to spill on a chair. It's just going to happen. They're going to spill on a table. It's just going to happen. And I don't want it to be this big catastrophe where it's like for right. the rest of, of the, the age of that piece of furniture, there's going to be a stain on it. I want to be able to wipe it away. I want to teach my kids, oh, it's just a spill. And of course, we want to be safe and careful because we want to protect our things, but we don't have to like cry about it because um, you don't want to have that sort of like that stress and that trauma of like, oh my God, I messed up the couch or whatever. Um, I also, I know so many people who have injuries from coffee tables. So my coffee tables either have rounded edges or are made from fabric. Um, and you know what? And yeah, those are sure. great also because they have those because they have those now those um they're not futons. What are they called? Where they're like ottomans kind of, and they're either yeah, round or I they're all a, cloth yeah. all around. I love. That. I have those. I I love them. And and again, it just lowers our stress level because nothing. You can have a house that looks you know absolutely perfect, but if your kids are covered with bandages because they constantly no. are oh, running gosh. into, it's just not. It's not worth it. Small things. That's one thing I I'm obsessed about. We want to have all of our choking hazards away. And I keep them usually in Carmen's room because she's the one that's old enough to really, yep. really know not to put things in her mouth. Um, so we keep those separate. They know, they the kids, they look out for, they're like, oh my God, Romeo has something small and they like grab it from him. Um, so those are things, definitely the outlets, that is like a number one, plug up those outlets. Right. Just not, I want to just look at it and say, is it worth it? Is not taking this precaution worth it? And I'm not somebody that has like bumpers on everything, but I have been thoughtful about how I plan my space, um, and that's an easy and, fix yeah, that doesn't intrude on your in, on your interior design aesthetic either. Like you won't even see those things. Exactly. Um, but I I think the storage thing is really important too because I will say I don't think you're gonna uh, to 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 Taylor who asked the question. I don't think you're gonna mind the baby proofing as much as you'll mind kids stuff everywhere all the time that is the thing that yes. I remember um I remember you know John and I would feel like we'd come into the like every space in the house was just all kids stuff all the time and you start to feel displaced you start to feel like where's my space you know where did where do I belong here and so we do like Laura was just saying we do invest in tons of really easy ways to pick up and store and organize at the end of the night so like I used to think I had to have you know all the trucks in one box and all the Barbies in another yeah, box no, and all this just stuff baskets, we don't even do that anymore literally baskets. baskets in fact the ottoman we did have was a storage ottoman so like you could literally yes. lift the lid it's like a trunk and just like and just shove everything, everything in there in. anything you can do to get it out of sight because the thing other things you have to compromise you will probably compromise organization you will probably compromise overall just like you know seamlessness of how the house functions but getting the things out of sight out of mind so that at the end of the night you go to bed with you know a clean space I feel like that just put me a lot at ease one thing I love is I have and anytime I've posted photos on on my Instagram um people are always like what is that um I have a pottery barn wall shelving thing that's, yes that's an actual stand I think you, yeah, you probably you, yeah, cubbies yeah, yeah. the cubbies and it just has lots of baskets and it's that idea I mean of course like usually it's when I'm pregnant and I get like 
I'm a Nesty. super nester and I just organize everything. Like if you let me into your house, I would be like, I'm going to organize the whole thing. For Fabulous. You. When are you coming how over? Many inv- exactly. How many invitations did I just get right now? Um, but I basically, we have all of these baskets and you just throw everything in and, and it's easy and it's kind of, it looks pretty. You can get like baskets that have different colors on them and stuff like that. All right. Thank you so much, Taylor. Um, now we're getting into a super fun topic. Oh, Daphne, yeah. you want to know Sexy what we're going to talk about? What we're we talking talk about? about sex. Let's Woo-hoo. talk about sex, Daphne. Um, <laughs> see how I just did it? I didn't even uh, you plan did it. it and it you just did came it. out. Look at okay, you. so we have these two emails right here. One is from Kara and one is from Alexandra. Um, and I like this this line is being a mom and a sexy partner. So both of them are talking about how you juggle being a mom and a sexy romantic partner in your marriage. How did we pull it off? And then um, Alexandra wants to know how we had extra kids after having the first one because she felt like sex just went out the window. Well, but I think it's important to highlight what Alexandra actually actually said about why sex went the, out the window because I think this will this is part of what we're going to answer with. Um, she said, she, I'll just read her thing. She said, you're killing it, blah, blah, blah. We love your, I love an episode about how not to hate your husband after kids. I love being a mom and have always wanted to be one. I have two girls, three and a half and two. They're 14 months apart and I'm really struggling with balancing my relationship with my husband. I feel let down having to do all the heavy lifting with, with parenting. We try to have open communication and I try to voice out my needs and feelings, but it doesn't seem to work. Help, please. How do you keep having more kids? I feel that I would have three more if I had equal partner in if I had an equal partner in this, I mean, obviously, pregnancy and breastfeeding, it's not possible to make up for, but other things. Again, I love this podcast and feel like you like I get to have both of you as girlfriends and totally dream about that. Oh, you're so cute. Thank you, Alexandra. Um, okay. By the way, we actually <laughs> I feel like just an aside, Laurie and I get to meet so many of you guys. I feel like all the time I'm meeting people who from all walks of life who listen to Bomb Green and feel like they've got girlfriends in their ears who are hearing them and in the same life space as them and dealing with same issues, dealing with similar issues that they're dealing with and just that it feels really nice to be in community with someone like that. And I just have to, for, for my part, and I know, Alara, you feel the same, like we feel the same. Like we're so happy and lucky and excited to be able to get to do this with you guys week after week because it is about learning from each other and it is about investing in each other and it is about knowing that you're not alone in any of this process and that there are hilarious parts and fun parts and scary parts and crazy parts that everyone goes through. Um, and it does just make it easier to go through it with your crew. So um, we feel the same way, Alexandra. Thank you. Daphne, I think it was like two summers ago, you and I were sitting in my pool house and yeah. we were just like talking about how we wanted to do this, how like we love um, our mom communities and our g- mom girlfriends. And we we're like, wouldn't it be amazing if we could like make it even bigger and we could go and talk to all these like really cool people and yeah. get advice from different people and, and advice from all of you guys, which are these emails. And that's why I just love to every once in a while step back and be like, wow, we're doing it. We're doing exactly what we set out for. And yeah. it's so much fun. Yes. Okay. So anyway, back to sex. Back to sex. So this is one thing that I think Alec has really been the lead at. And I think has been one of the benefits of having somebody who's 26 years my senior is that he very much wanted to have kids right away. He actually was on maybe because of his age, he wanted to have kids before I thought I was ready to have kids. And we just went with that. I got pregnant very soon. Um, 
But he was very clear with me. He said, hey, you know what? I love you so much and I love spending time with you that I want you to know that before that you're my wife and the mother to our child and then children is you're also my girlfriend. And I want you to be my girlfriend every single day. And, you know, of course, you know, that that helps that, you know, we have the ability to have babysitting and, um, and, you know, I've got community of like girlfriends who will like have, take my kids out and and do different things with them. And I allow, I'm, I, that allows me to have time with Alec, but also, you know, even in the times that we don't, we put the kids to bed, we put the kids to bed every night and then we get to spend time, the two of us together throughout the day. He and I are working, taking care of the kids, schlepping them here and there, you know, doing the typical things that the parents do. And then once the kids are sleeping, that's when we have time to spend together. We've never gone on a trip, just the two of us, since the kids are are born. Um, I always bring them with me everywhere. And that has, we've talked about that, that probably is not a good thing for me, but I just, I'm neurotic and like worry that what's going to happen when I'm not around. And one day I will be able, I, my goal is one day I will be emotionally available to, to do that. Emotionally able, I should say, not available, able to do that. Um, Anyway, I, um, my, my thing is that every single night we spend time together and that means putting your phones away. That means we don't, we don't watch TV, which is probably one of the reasons that we have so many children. We don't have a TV in our bedroom. (laughs) Um, you know, and if we are on either the rare, rare, rare moments that we will watch like the news or something like that, or we will look at our phones, we're doing it together. Um, like, oh my God, this is so cute. This picture that of that I took of the kids today or, oh, I want to show you this article or whatever it is. But it really is a time where the two of us, we will sit and have dinner every single night together and we just spend those hours together and it makes us feel super, super, super connected. Um, so that's my that's my shtick and that's how we continue to have more and more babies. <laughs> Maybe we I, should put a TV in our yeah. room. <laughs> um so it's funny because um, I I remember one of the first times we hung out, you told me uh, what Alec had said about you know you you are my wife and you are the mother of our children, but you're my you're also my girlfriend every day and um, and I it stuck with me because I thought it was such a an easy way to synthesize how there is a difference that happens in all of us between in our relationships with our you know our partner when when we have other priorities and other stresses and we're tired and we, you know, you've got so much on your brain and, and what, what was a very, you know, carefree, fun, easy, relaxing relationship, uh, you know, when you're dating or, you know, getting to know each other or life pre kids. And then all of a sudden you introduce these new variables and it uh, suddenly like you become a different person. Understandably you have to, obviously like your priorities are completely shifted, but it's a really nice reminderance that you are still also that person that you were before. And there, there are parts of that that you can hold on to that will, I think, make your spouse happy, but also really make you happy. Like that was something that really stuck with me too, was you, you know, we're, we're, you're still human. Like you can't function on no love and no support and no sleep and no you know gratitude and no sex and no feeling of connection and i think sometimes we think we can and honestly if anyone can it would be moms but it's like it just what's the fun in that kind of um, so i think um i think that that's something that has definitely stuck with me that i try to hold on to and 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 we do john and i do in our relationship as much as we can we try to um 
we try to date each other. And for me, that what that actually ends up meaning is um, I have a couple things that I try to do that seem to work really well, especially when I feel like we need more time to connect or more ways to feel like whatever that limited time to connect is, is really meaningful. So we're always super playful. Like we have these funny little weird running jokes and games and pet names and um and 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 just like inside commentary on the world around us that make us feel very reminiscent of when we were in college dating and um and I think men in general just they're playful by nature they're kind of like they're big kids, you know, and so the more that you can enjoy their company in a way that they feel is like not stressful and not, you know, constantly, oh, did you get this and did you do this and did you, you know, did you call your mom about blah blah blah? It's 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 just engaging in a way that again can be physical too because it can be like a little it can be a little cuddly it can that's something else i think if you're feeling like you're not getting the emotional connection that you want or you're not feeling the love that you want or the support that you want so often the best way to get it without having to either ask outright for it which there's nothing wrong with that but sometimes it sometimes it helps with with um to lead by example is it's you know if you're looking to if you want more physical touch then be the one to reach out and physically touch more if you want more uh, you know emotional availability then be the one to ask more questions if you want them to be you know if you want them to be more available to you you have to be more available to them and i think that's hard at first but being direct and not like beating around the bush actually will save you valuable time that you don't have to waste um, i think another thing i've really tried to focus on is is trying not to complain. Like something that would always frustrate me is I would complain about something the way that you do to your girlfriends and your husband or your partner tries to fix it, right? He's like, he's like, okay, so what can we do to fix it? And sometimes you just want to complain. So I save the the pure complaining for my mom or my sisters or my girlfriends when they get it. They get that venting is sometimes the only real release that you need. Where with with the time that I have with John, I try not to to, to just like deluge him in constant irritating like oh isn't it so annoying that this happened or I have to deal with this or whatever unless there's something for him really to do to help um, because I find that otherwise it was just taking us down this really negative path of he was trying to get involved and help and I was frustrated that he wouldn't that I was frustrated that he was that he was you know, trying to tell me I was doing it wrong is how it came across to me. And again, so much of this is the misfiring of connections, right? It's like one person's brain thinks they're doing, thinks they're being helpful. And the other person's brain hears, you're telling me I'm doing it wrong. I mean, it's just such you a- You know what? Like, you Next time you want to vent, call Alec because he's exactly <laughs> like you and I'm exactly like John. Oh, that's like, so exactly. funny. I sent him this meme the other day that it's like something about like uh, if you're complaining about something and you can fix it, stop complaining or something like that. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a guy. And maybe. Alec, you know, Alec will just like complain about these things. I'm like, why? Why? Like you can fix it. Stop complaining. But now I think you've just taught me something about him. And next time maybe I'll just let him complain. <laughs> and like just turn my ears off or something because I'm like ah <laughs> well no but you know what it's also I think why your partnership works and it's why our partnership works is that you do think differently about things you do engage with the world differently and I, I learned so much even though I don't enjoy them the very few times John and I fight I learn a lot from our fights because if you love someone you try to pay attention to like why did that go badly and how can I not have it go badly again um and I feel like I do I and and he's also something I will say that I 
going back to the question we also just answered about how to feel back in your prenatal, how to go back to like feeling like you did about yourself before you had kids and very much answering this question about how do you want to have sex, feel sex. I mean, for, for me, I think, but I think for like most women, how you feel about yourself has everything to do with whether or not you actually want to be intimate with someone else. And, um, and, you know, I think sometimes you sometimes it's it's just a matter of getting like back into your your skin again and feeling and and pushing yourself. Like, look, there are some times when you're tired or when you're stressed out or you don't feel like you're, you know, your most beautiful, attractive self. But ripping the band-aid off in some cases is the best medicine because you can totally get into your own head and then you get into a habit and then it becomes, you know, well, we haven't had sex in a week, we haven't had sex in two weeks, three weeks, a month, six months, like whatever. It's so easy to sink into that. That just like this is the new this people is the new normal. People are creatures of habit. So much people so people are creatures of habit. So don't yeah. let yourself get into habits that you're not comfortable with. But I think um, is one thing that I really value that I didn't even appreciate John was doing until after the fact, and I realized how much it it meant to me was like he would tell me how beautiful I was, or he would tell me like nice things about myself without I didn't I wasn't like soliciting it I wasn't looking for it just unsolicited he would say these things and it start and it really planted seeds for me that like I was still attractive to him I was still who he wanted I was like because again as cra- as crazy as it might sound to you saying it out loud you're that is what you're telling yourself that is like why you question it for yourself and um and i think having you know that conversation with your spouse where you continue to or your partner where you continue to 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 let each other support each other in that way is really critical and i think going to the question that um alexander had emailed where she was just feeling let down and kind of like left like the solo boat on the ocean doing all the hard work um, the biggest a piece of advice I would give to you there because I totally get I, I get that your emotional distance from him becomes bigger than your physical distance from him and you're feeling like you're not supporting me and if you loved me or if you you know wanted this from me you would support me in all these other ways that I'm supporting our family and so often that's just like what you only see what you you only see what you see and if if he's not um aware of all the things that you're doing and all the ways that you don't feel supported he can't work to help you feel better about it so try the things that let you be direct try the things that that tell him what would make you feel appreciated what would make you feel loved and beautiful and valued and supported and all the things that you need to feel to want to be physical with him. And I think you'll have really good results. I think so too. I mean, I I think we don't usually regret the things that we do say. I think we regret the things that we don't say. I mean, unless you're like being mean, you know what I mean? But if you're opening up your heart and you're just being honest and you're saying, hey, I'd like more of this or hey, this is how I feel. And then also understand that they need to feel exactly the same way. Like Alec is always telling me that I'm beautiful and always telling me how much he loves me and stuff like that. And the one thing that we've had to work on is that I need to say that back to him right. more. Right. Um, and the I love show language him. Thing. It's like, yeah, I show him in other ways. I'll cook for him. I'm cleaning. I'm taking care of the kids. I'm holding his hand. I'm more physical. He's very verbal. Yeah. Um, and 
And he needs to hear it just as much as I need to hear it. And I feel more attractive when he is saying that to me. Of course, and he, of course. And as, as does he. So these small things that maybe, and I get a little shy sometimes. Like if somebody tells me that I'm beautiful, I literally want to climb underneath a rock. And so he's always like, you should say thank you. Because I'll be like, uh, and I'll change the subject. I don't know why. I just always <laughs> feel really shy. Um, and, and, you know, I one of the other things that I think you have these conversations when when to have a conversation is extremely important right um and having these conversations when somebody is in their right mind when somebody is in a good space is extremely important now we you've heard that i'm sure like a million times also working on these things don't say it have the conversation and then just wait until the next time happens Mm -hmm. continue to have that conversation when things are good because you need to practice it you need to practice saying hey well like if you're just like you never tell me i'm beautiful and you never say this and you never want to have sex with me and you never did it and you never help the the kids and you're never this when you've had it like up to your eyebrows of like the stress Whereas, you know, if you're saying, hey, you know what, honey, well, how about if you and I go and get diapers together or you and I go and change uh, change the yeah, baby. Or can or, you give the kids a bath while I clean up? Like Exactly. That, Any know. of these things. And try to do it when you're in a really ha- happy place. I try to be super goofy with Alec. I mean, he's somebody who he has his hot and cold moments. He's a, he, he is a very passionate person. I'm a very passionate. We're bo- two both very big personalities. And just, you know, going up to him and giving him a big, a hug and a big kiss and holding his hand and just going up and unsolicited I love you so much saying those things it makes him feel so good and when he feels so good then he is happier and when he's happier he is more likely also to make me happier so it's really you know taking really good care of the other person in in ways where they need to be taken exactly what Daphne said the love languages now I just do want to point out that what this when I sent him the meme the other day I didn't send him one meme I sent him 17 I I see them on my phone and they're all along the lines of complaining never makes anything better that's one of them if you're not helping to make it right then stop complaining about it being wrong no I literally sent him 17 of these um and I have to say um speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret Oh, see, damn. yeah, exactly. There was a lot going on there, <laughs> um, but I saved them on my phone so that because I thought they were very wise, and he, and then it gets to the point where I'll send like seventeen, and we're both like laughing. At yeah, the then it's it. funny. You know what I mean? It's yes. just you. I always try to be like a little bit more ridiculous, and then it's like you you can't be serious. But I do think I do think there's something to be said for. Yes, like like wait for the right wait for the wait for people to be in their right mind to be receptive to what you're saying. Um, but also say it when it's happening, when they can actually do something about it. Don't wait till it's festered for a month and there's nothing they can do about the thing that they did a month ago that bothered you. Um, if you can say it in the moment in a kind and and collab- not collaborative, constructive way, and they can actually do something about it, and then send them 17 memes so you can laugh about it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I learn while I'm sending it. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to remember yes. it next time. Um, I like to memorize them and then like be able to just like whip them out during an argument as well that's that's good too (laughs) all my I'm telling you all my arguing tricks I shudder Um, to ask you how you save your memes (laughs) (laughs) screenshot obviously (laughs) that's part of my 38,000 
photos. You are so funny. You're well so worth funny. keeping. Oh my gosh. Amazing. <laughs> all right, Alexandra and Kara, thank you so much for your emails. Um, that's all that we have time for today. Um, we don't do favorite things on our email episodes because we can't tell you so many other things, but I believe Cal will probably link to them. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, email us more. We love hearing from you. Find us on Instagram and YouTube, and we love you all, and we are so happy that you are part of our community, and we can't wait to do our next one next Wednesday. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.